This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Hey everybody, Jared Van Hees here, and welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for becoming better habitat managers. We have another good one for you today. We are talking with Butch Bauer from the Working Man Bowhunter team. The Working Man Bowhunter is a brand created by these guys. Um, they're local Michigan guys, and they're just like the rest of us. You know, have families, work their butts off, you know, struggle and juggle through the, the daily grind like the rest of us. So we wanted to get that mind because we all can relate. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about fall preparation. What is everybody doing to get their property ready for this fall? What are the working man bow hunters doing to get ready for this fall? We're talking about some different food plot stuff, uh, some trail cameras, some outfitter discussion for the guys who aren't doing their own property setup this fall. And then mainly just talk about different ways that we are all able to make this work with our busy lives. So before we get Butch on, I want to talk about our sponsors. We want to thank... Packer Max for sponsoring this episode. Everybody, got, he is shipping out these calls of Packers like crazy right now. Be sure to mention the Habitat Podcast and you get $50 off any call to Packer. I know I am getting ready to throw mine back on for some fall food plot prep. I just got done spraying the other day. And um, so this no-till I'm going to do, I'm actually going to broadcast my feed into the dead thatch and then roll over it with the Packer. So that will help get that seed to soil contact. But be sure to check out PackerMax.com and get the discount on your call to Packer for fall food plots. Next, I want to thank Michigan Whitetail Pursuit for supporting the podcast. Now, there's a group on Facebook called The Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, about 3,500 members, and it's getting on fire these days. Everybody's pumped up about this fall. Trail cam pictures are showing up, tree stand questions, everything on there, guys, is all deer hunting related. A bunch of normal guys uh, in pressured situations. So be sure to check them out at the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit on Facebook or MichiganWhitetailPursuit.com to watch all the past six or seven seasons on there of the hunting videos. Lastly, I want to thank Killer Food Plots. I am getting ready to plant my fall plots. I'm going to plant the Carnage Brassica Blend. I'm also going to plant the Lethal Oats along with um, the White Rage. I planted some of the White Rage already. I had a little area that I sprayed and broadcasted this in right before a good rain uh, about two weeks ago. So there was a little bit of clover in there already. I'm thinking the clover will probably handle the glyphosate, and then this other stuff might be able to come up 
with that. Now, the White Rage is a sugar beet and KFP radish combination. So it should be pretty killer with uh, the green tops. And then once late season gets here, the bulbs that they'll dig up. So be sure to check out Nick and his products at KillerFoodPlots.com. It's a great quality seed uh, a great company. And without further ado, let's get the working man bow hunter, Butch Bauer, on the line. Well, shoot, man, thanks for coming on. We are actually rolling already. Um, I think we're off to a good start here. Let's just keep going at it. Um, oh, sounds good. Now, we did a little texting earlier on the phone. Uh, why don't Normally how we start these out, we like to introduce the guests or, or have you talk about you know where you're from, what you grew up uh, doing, and how you got into hunting and habitat work and deer and all that good stuff. Uh, go ahead and hit it, Bush. Yeah, so first off, uh, um, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, um, Butch, I'm from uh, born and raised in Detroit, and I reside currently in uh, by the Romeo, Michigan area. Um, started hunting as a, a young boy, probably going to a tree stand with my dad at probably age of 9, 10. And uh, for my uh, 13th birthday, uh, my parents got me a, a bear bow. And uh, a couple days later, I shot my uh, my first white tail. I shot a nine-point Michigan small basket buck, and I've been uh, hooked, nice. I think, for life. Yeah, it's, you know, and I, I just totally uh, love hunting. And I'll be honest, uh, um, I played collegiate football. So through that time period, um, I really got away from hunting, just didn't have any time. Obviously, yeah. football season is in the fall. And then uh, once I graduated uh, um, and I got a job at, for Chrysler, I've been hunting uh, ever since. And uh, just just really, really enjoy it. Um, I, one of the things that I like most and – I think you guys appreciate it is, you know, Michigan, you really have to be all about habitat management and really taking pride to manage your property. Because if you don't, you know, especially now that baiting is banned, you, you, you're really, it's going to be a real struggle for you to keep the deer on your property, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, so, uh, it's a big topic now. You, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. And uh, so, um, and then real quick is, you know, as a, uh, uh, my, my partner and I, Wes, who I, I met at work probably 10, 11 years ago for Chrysler, you know, we were both managers. Uh, yeah, him and I founded the Working Man Bullhunter uh, brand and team, you know, kind of based off of we, we found it very difficult to do simple tasks, or at least what we thought were simple, like hanging up trail cameras, checking tree stands, or candidly even finding the time to go hunt and film each other. And uh, we, we came, the idea of, no one's talking about the struggle, and we believe the struggle is real, that if, if you're a blue-collar worker, and, you know, most of the Midwest really is, um, we, we love hunting, and uh, but we, we, we have to plan to go hunting. It's not as simple as just, you know, like you watch on TV every day. And uh, as we look up to those guys, and Kennedy one day, you know, would aspire to be that, it's not so simple. So that's kind of how our brand got founded, you know, trying to show – the, 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 the real side of hunting, the juggling work, chores, family, and friends, and our passion for not only hunting, but candidly, I, I think we're all um, conservationists, right? Trying to manage not only um, our property, but the, the, the deer herd, or if it's managing the predators and whatnot. So it's, it's, to us, it's very dynamic. If you look at it, it's more than just hunting to us. Yeah. I, I, amen, brother. I think... Uh... I think it's part of a lifestyle that, that we all live, and I don't know about you, but I think about it probably 25 times a day, so it's, it, you know, it just becomes becomes part of who you are, and and I like I like the fact that you guys talk about the struggle. I mean, I have, I struggle trying to find time to shoot my bow or, or get out there and even spray for a food plot and this and that, you know, i got to haul a couple of kids with me or whatever it may be. I mean, we're all in the same boat. Um, yeah, exactly. And and I like how you guys made that part of your brand, and and uh, that's pretty cool. Um, let's get yeah, back it, to it, that. I, I first wanted to talk a little bit more about um, you know you growing up. So you live now in in Romeo. Are you a Kid Rock fan? Oh God, yeah, yeah. You know how couldn't you? Matter of fact, if I go back to my college days, um, I actually had the opportunity to bounce for Kid Rock at one no of the concerts, and I was yeah in Saginaw. So that, that was a really cool event to, to do that. So, yeah, I'm definitely a Kid Rock fan, a Bob Seger fan. Nice. Got to bounce one of his concerts, so it's 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 good stuff. No, nice, man. And where did you say you uh, – I don't know if you said it yet. Where did you play football at? 
I played at uh, Saginaw Valley. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So you must be a pretty uh, good-sized dude if they're hiring you for a bouncer. <laughs> I used to be, in fact, uh, and if you look at Instagram, I'm not. Uh, so, you know, funny is I played uh, offensive line. I started 52 collegiate games, and I played at 325 pounds. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm 36 now, and at the age of 20, I don't know, I think it was seven, I decided to get, uh, you know, change my lifestyle, and I, I, I'm now 190 pounds. Oh, I, I've been in, yeah, I've been in Men's Fitness Magazine a few times now for, uh, you know, the success story of losing weight all natural. And so, yeah, um, my, my days of being a bouncer are long gone. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hunter now. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I like that. So now you're 36. Do you have a uh, wife, kids, any of that fun stuff? Yeah, I, I do. I'm, I'm married. Uh, my, my, my wife comes out of Indiana, which is, uh, you know, kind of a sleeper state for hunting. Um, it's, you know, n- not as, uh, um, not as good as Ohio or Missouri, but, uh, you know, there's some deer there. And then I have a, a five-year-old son, uh, Bryce, who, those who follow us on our Instagram page, he goes by B-Man. And, uh, he had the opportunity to sit in a stand last year, a muddy elevated blind. And, uh, um, he, he saw me shoot, the, um, a 10.159 inch, uh, buck with, uh, one of our team members, Jimmy, behind the camera. So it's a buck that uh, he had named the perfect buck, and it just, you know, all the stars aligned, and we got it done. And his his facial expression, his raw emotion, <laughs> is something that uh, I will honestly remember forever. I mean, you you can't beat that. Awesome. Now, where, where was that at? Was that in Michigan or was that Ohio? It was in Blissfield. Okay, gotcha. Bliss, yeah, Blissfield, Michigan. Yeah. Wow, great buck for Michigan. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you, if you manage the property right, there's there's big deer in Michigan. You know, and oh, I, I wish our, that way. I wish there's yeah, and I wish our state did a better job of you know, point restriction, antler restriction. Um, and it's you know we don't, so we have to again. It goes back to really, you understand your land, and you understand what your land not only um, is offering, but what you can offer to your land is the way that we like to look at it. And if if you treat your land right and know what to do with it, you you can. You can try to either attract um, animals, if it's deer, rabbits, and it, it all plays a part, you know. Um, if you can attract them and, and hold them on your property is also key, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, especially, you know, the, the deer we're after, you want to shoot them in daylight, obviously, so they have to be there. Um, and a lot of these bucks that we're after don't move too far from their bed in daylight uh, any other time than the rut, so... It's, it's definitely key. And, uh, you know, us as habitat managers, we like to improve our property for all species, whether it's a rabbit, turkey, songbirds, butterflies, whatever. Um, and, yeah, you have a good point there. And what we wanted to kind of talk about with you today is um, besides the, the struggle is real, which it is, um, a lot of people are getting the bug, like, right now. Like, all the new hunting shows just came out, um, you know, velvet is... The antlers are popping. Um, you know, fall prep. Everybody's getting into into that mode. You know, what are you guys doing with your with your habitat or your your hunting strategy prepping right now uh, as we're in July here? Yeah, so I think you're spot on. Uh, if if you're a diehard hunter, you can't already um, you you already have that uh, itch, right? If you're a bow hunter, gun hunter, whatever you may be, you got that trigger itch. And uh, so, you know, our, our team is, again, there's four of us. There's uh, myself, Wes, who are the co-founders, and then uh, Jimmy and Drew, um, who are, again, there's, so there's four of us. Um, we're all trying to do our part. Jimmy's probably the uh, most active. Um, you know, he uh, he manages a, a nice piece of property, and uh, I think he does a really good job working with a few of his other buddies to go out there with the old school style with the rototiller and, you know, the hand tools and trying to, manage, uh, you know, and, and fertilize and, you know, go through that whole process, which is time-consuming if you're not using, like, a Kubota or some sort of John Deere tractor. Um, so, you know, right now we're, we're trying to do that. We've, um, you know, there's two main seasons for, uh, you know, like for us for planting, especially for clover, and we've already got took advantage of the, uh, the April and June season, but we got that in, and uh, that's coming in nicely. Um, so, you know, that, that's the first thing we've, we've attempted to do is get the early food plots in. But uh, what we also like to really concentrate on at this time of the year 
is creating natural um, funnels or trails that help lead to where we want the, the, the deer to go to. And people sometimes don't think that way. If you, if you start planting sorghum or, or, or tall grasses that will hold the deer or good bedding ground, and then you start creating the natural trails away from sources, you can really help help the land out, right? You can hold the deer there and give them a reason to want to live on your land. So these are some of the things that we've been working on right now um, throughout the uh, the summer. Um, you know, and again, it's it's a challenge to find that time. And then uh, we have plenty of trail cameras out right now. Yeah, that's uh, what everybody's getting into now. It's it's getting to be that time where we're starting to get the cameras set up and check out where the bucks are and what kind of bucks we have and making our hit list. Yeah, we talk a lot about that trail system. Some of our guests that we've had on are big proponents of cutting trails. Others yes. don't like them. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you guys go about putting those trails in. Yeah, and, and you know, I, and I mentioned this in the conversation. You know, Michigan um, just voted again and um, um, upheld the the baiting restriction again. So you know, we have to and do everything to control deer the best that we can and do it naturally, right? And, and following the rules, which we 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 are really diligent to make sure we're doing everything the proper way. Especially when you're filming your hunts, right? You have to make sure you're crossing all your T's and dotting your eyes. Which we, we we respect the land, we we respect the rules, and we encourage everybody to do that. And that's the right way to um, bring. It's the first thing; it's the law, but it's the right way to teach the youth and teach new hunters. Right? Mm-hmm. We like to connect with a lot of new hunters out there, and wherever they age. I don't care if you're your 50 and your 40s. We like to teach and help anybody we can. That's who we are. So, um, with that being said, you know. One thing unique about Michigan compared to other states like Ohio, Missouri, Illinois, is it seems like everybody owns 10 acres. So what are you going to do with your 10 acres or 15 acres or 40 acres to make it more unique or more attractive to that wildlife, right? So we do like to cut small trails. Um, You know, we don't want to go out there and create runways, right, that are 10 feet wide, but creating that one to two foot, three foot natural trail that the, the deer, because they will take the path of least resistance. And people sometimes don't realize it or believe that. They will absolutely do that. You can almost direct the deer where you want them to go, right? Sure. So, yeah, well, we like to cut branches and move these those obstacles out of the way. You know, we're not going to go and create literally a racetrack through our property, but we will try to um, funnel them to a water source, right? And funnel them to a, uh, uh, if we go and plant fresh sorghum, and, and let that grow, you know, four, five, six, seven feet high and, and try to create natural bedding areas. And then we'll have a clover pot 100 yards away. We'll try to create a couple of walkways or pathways for them to naturally start jumping on those trails. And I, I believe they're very effective. Sure. Yeah, uh, so what, what you're basically saying is you're using a system to sort of like keep a uh, – that's the word I'm looking for. A, um, trying to direct the movement from bedding to food to water and trying to keep them all, keep them busy on your small property is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. And, again, if we, if we try to be students of the game, we don't know it all. We don't. And we were watching those shows. We're listening to podcasts like the ones that, you know, you guys air. And we try to learn from at each hunter, and just because you don't like what another hunter is doing doesn't mean you can't learn from them, either good or bad. Like, I don't like that, okay? But, but it, they tried it, and you can learn from them. But, yeah, we absolutely try to um, make the property the most attractive to the whitetail, right? And uh, we, we feel it's important for the deer herd. And, uh, if like, right now, what's unique about Michigan or the Midwest is, it's it's hot. It's it's 90 degrees, right? And it's going to be up in some like uh, Missouri was 99 today. It's supposed to be 99 um, in, in uh, Michigan on Friday in the by the Detroit area. So what can you do to help those deer? Can you funnel them to a water source? I think it's more about hunting. It's 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 more of being a conservationist, right? And and helping the deer herd. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so you guys are putting the clover in in the springtime, and you're getting that good growth throughout the cool weather. Yeah. How are you maintaining that 
with the uh, smaller equipment throughout the summer. If you, you guys dealing with weeds or you having any issues with the um, clover, with uh, any types of drought, or you guys got plenty of rain going this year? Um, well, the last few weeks it's it's, it's rained. Um, be, prior to this, it seems like all all it has done is rain, and then we had like the one or two weeks of dry, and then it's back to raining again. It's probably unfortunately. Um, if, if you care about the, the, the farming economy, um, which plays, I don't think, I don't think people realize how big, uh, big the farmers play into our overall agricultural economy. And, uh, unfortunately, um, it's going to be one of the worst harvests that we're probably going to see in the last 10 or 15 years. And statistically speaking, if you look at the overall, um, the timing of when, the, when you plant the corn and the beans, there were some some cases a month and a half behind, and right. it, it's it's really unfortunately and I, candidly I'll just I'll just say it, it's almost sad because these farmers are relying on that as their source of income and they play a big part into our economy. So it, it's you know there's everyone's pushing the pull and we need those farmers to be successful for our economy. But uh, yeah, like like you mentioned, it, we were able to get clover. And what's the nice thing about clover and why we recommend it? It's it's a very durable plant. Um, it, it can it can we it can fight off a lot of weeds, especially if you kind of understand the overall best conditions to plant it. If you kind of understand the whole soil pH process, what's the best temperature to plant um, your, your clover? We like to make sure the ground's at least 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Where we feel that those are the ideal conditions, so we get it in in April and June, and uh, we you know we may have to go through and cut it once right bring it back down let that natural growth happen again um we do like to fertilize it once and uh and then if we need to come back and plant a second plot or something we'll do that closer to um probably late august early september you know here in the next four weeks we'll look to get another food plot in of that clover so you almost have a fresh um from some fresh um, growth some fresh green coming in that's really done growing by late october you know Right. Yeah. Right. That's fast. We're all going to be planting those uh, fall plots here in next month or two. Uh, are you guys going to be planting anything else besides clover? Any brassicas or wheat, rye, anything like that? Um, you know, yeah. First off, again, it's there's so many good products out there. We use a lot of White Tail Institute, um, and we try to use. First off, we'll use their soil test kit. It's very simple to use. You can kind of understand the conditions of your soil um, and, and, and what you need to introduce to your soil um, to maybe make it the ideal conditions for it to germinate. But uh, we, we like the uh, beets and greens. Um, it's something that we'll put in. Um, we love the uh, winter bulbs and sugar beets. To get, again, we're looking for what's that food source that's going to be there during the late November, early December time period, right? What green could be there to, again, um, once the rut's over, those whitetail are going to be needing a, a food source more than ever. And so we'll look for some sort of um, green or late product to be there during that time period. Very nice. Now, do you guys, um, when you're fertilizing your clover, I had a question back there. Is there a certain type of fertilizer you use, or and do you do you throw it on right before rain or anything specific, or do you wait till it gets pretty established, or how do you guys know when it needs some fertilizer? Maybe something the listeners could take advantage of. Um, so typically we'll go through and, and use a, a generic um, weed kill to kill everything. Um, we'll then roast everything up, and then we'll plant. Um, we try to get again, depending on it, uh, um, ideally one to two inches deep for us. And again, I know it varies, and the best, I can't believe the best way to do it is whatever product you're buying, what we believe is read the back of the bag. Right. And too many times, too many times, us, us guys don't want to read the back of that bag, but directions, if you read like, directions, yeah, what are those for? yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Take it, throw it down there and roll with it, right? Yeah. But if you fall, if you fall again, if you follow the back of the bag and whoever you're using, it'll say one to three inches for this product or four inches for this product or two inches for that product. Do that. We'll come through probably after, I don't know, almost a month and a half, two months, where it's starting to, you know, show really good growth. It's high. We'll come through with some basic fertilizer. 
Um, we look at it this way, in, in my belief, and again, I, I don't have a natural green thumb, but there's three main um, macronutrients that we believe in, and you got the nitrogen for the leaf growth. I, I would absolutely look at something that way. Again, you're looking at clover. You want nice green um, leaves. That's what the deer wants. Um, you got your potassium that, again, is going to get your natural, great, um, strong stem growth, right, especially if you start looking at plants that are, are, are more fruity, um, the berries and stuff. If you're into that, again, we're big bear hunters, so we look at that. But And then you have your, your phosphorus, which is going to help your root system. If you can find a product with those three sources, um, you, you can put that down, and that's I think you would see really good results to the growth of the product that you're trying to plant. Perfect, perfect. No, it's just, it's good to hear from, you know, another regular guy like the rest of us out there just trying to better their habitat, trying to help out their their hunting season coming up, you know, help out the animals, just trying to do everything they can, put in the extra work so when this fall comes around, you guys can, you know, can capitalize like what all of us are trying to do. So that's cool. I, I like hearing about that. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I, we don't have a green thumb, and, and there's people out there way better than this. Um, but what we, what, you know, like what we try to do is have some sort of idea, right? And if you look at when you come out of the spring, the, the, the deer, usually in Michigan, the Midwest, and even up in Canada, have wintered hard, right? Yep. So they're looking for that first green. That what's the, what's the first growth? Well, typically that first green or growth is going to be by a water source, right? So it's, it's a great way, if you can find a place to throw like a throw and grow to, to, to help um, provide more um, green because that's your natural um, growth is going to be bio water source. We usually even put our trail cameras there because, again, you can start to do some inventory of how is your deer herd looking through a tough winter. And then from there, now that you have your water source, Ideally, you would start to have what is their next food source going to be looking for? Is it going to be a clover? Is it going to be looking for beans or whatever it may be? And we like to keep that, again, close to a water source because, you know, the animals need water. In Canada, they need water more than food on most occasions. So when we try to have some sort of system with the property we have, we don't own thousands of acres. Right. So we own acres. Yeah, no, I <laughs> so, hear you there. I hear so you there. It's, 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 it's a challenge, right? Yep. No, for sure. And you mentioned something there that I wanted to get your opinion on, is, is trail cameras. So a lot of people are starting to put out cameras. I have uh, one or two out. Brian's got a couple out. Our buddy Al has a bunch out. Um, where are you guys starting at this time of year to, to put your cameras, and, and where are you finding that you're successful with them? Because I know minerals are legal now. Um, baiting, can't do that, everything. So where are you putting yours? Um, so, yeah, we, we have a bunch out right now. And, and, again, I think that we start getting cameras out for us as soon as April and May. And, and we're not checking them regularly. We're not. But we try to get them by that water. Uh, what's your first water source that you believe that will have a green growth? And we actually transition our trail cameras throughout the year. You know, and as we start seeing some some food plots grow, some other growth that we believe the deer will be looking to feed from, because, again, baiting and mineral source is now illegal, we'll move cameras to potentially a food plot or a clover field or, you know, if, if we have, um, you know, white oaks that potentially have acorns left over from the year before that are still there, whatever it could be, we'll start moving our trail cameras. Um, and I think we get really aggressive right about um, probably late June, right before the July 4th weekend, we try to have all our cameras either either out or ready to go out. And uh, that's when you start to see the growth. And in some cases, you can start to identify the bucks from the year before. And like right now, a few of our target bucks that we know are on our hit list, we can already identify that we were pulling cameras from July 10th and 11th. We're like, yep, that's Joker. Yep, that's Grinch. Got it, got it, and he's back. So then what we will, throughout the year, as probably I would say we start getting closer to late September, We'll start moving our trail cameras more to away from um, the water sources and we'll even some sort of food plots and try to get towards more um, 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 trails, those funnel areas that we've created, and try to see where the does are moving. And once you learn their patterns, 
ideally you probably will start to understand where your bucks are coming and going from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good uh, plan. Now, are you putting the cameras just on your small properties that you guys have control of, or are you mixing in public land or land that you have permission on? Um, you know, you know, it's a, it's a good question. And one thing that Michigan does, and, and again, a DNR is trying to promote as much hunting as possible. And uh, matter of fact, uh, um, the wife and I just saw a stat um, yesterday on some sort of Instagram post that said that uh, um, the is will the hunter become extinct? And it talks about the hunting population has decreased from 1980 by 40%, and it's on a trend downward in by the year of 2025. And I don't know the exact numbers that the the over the, the amount of hunters will have decreased like by 70%. Um, so. You know, the Michigan's trying to promote that. One of the things they're doing is called Hatland, and uh, which is essentially you're, it's public, it's private land that has been created public land, if that makes sense. Yep. And uh, a few years ago, we uh, we were using hunting on Hatland, and we had a couple of trail cameras stolen. Very unfortunate that again, a uh, farmer offers his hunting property to everybody to hunt on. You and he's like, you can put trail cameras up. So if you my recommendation, if you're putting up a trail camera on public property, be ready to potentially have it stolen. And it's very unfortunate. It's disappointing. They were locked up as well. So I would be very careful and again for us. So your question is uh most of ours are on private property. Um I think all of them are actually. Now I have like example, I have a hunt booked in Texas with an outfitter, Fair Chase, and I, I just sent him a trail camera, you know, but he's managing 15,000 acres, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be safe. Same thing with Ohio. I'm going there with an outfitter. I went I last couple of years with him. He has one of my trail cameras. His is um, private land as well, um, and I'm hoping it doesn't get stolen, and every once in a while, he'll, he, even though he's private and owns a bunch of property, he still will have a, a trail camera stolen, so um, just, you know, it's unfortunate, lock them up and just be mentally prepared that if you do lose one, it's not the end of the world. It could happen. Yeah, that's true. It does happen, unfortunately. And yeah, uh, I would, I would definitely lock them up because at least that's going to deter them. Right. And if they want it bad enough, they'll do it. But, uh, we always lock all ours up with some sort of chain cable lock and, and, and we think it helps. Absolutely. Yeah, so that that fits the working man bow hunter uh, fit pretty good with using an outfitter, because not everybody has time to go out and scout all year round and and uh, get cameras put up and and get permission to hunt here and hunt there. So that's something that we haven't talked a whole lot about on the podcast. Was you know going about going on out of state hunts and and talking to different outfitters, but some. Yeah. You have a lot of experience with. You want to talk about that and, and how yeah. that role in, in your hunting season? Yeah, I think this is a great topic. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, you know, um, I, for the most part, you know, my um, Wes and I, who are the co-founders, we used to, with my dad, own some property in uh, um, Farwell, Michigan. We owned 86 acres, and you know, it, it didn't actually have the the biggest um, the box, and it's, it sounded like open when it was opening day gun season. It sounded like World War II almost. So a lot of times, what we would do is we would look to book our archery hunts um, and try to find you know Missouri an outfitter, Missouri or Illinois or Ohio. We try to book one or two hunts a year for that five to seven days. That essentially the fair chase, right? And I bet you I bet that forty hunts and I was forty um, paid hunts. I think I've killed nine nine bucks so yeah the, the the one would say you've killed a lot of deer but have i really killed a lot of deer in all the times and the hunts i've been on the advantage is they're doing all the work for you you're you're, you're, you're hoping that they, they they put their time in that they're running trail cameras and so the, the benefit of going with an outfitter if you ask all the right questions which i think would be a great podcast topic because a lot of people are getting burnt by outfitters and or bad outfitters but the, the the advantage of that is you're getting to hunt different land you're getting to experience different states i've been to texas ohio illinois missouri indiana and you're getting to experience these different states that 
if you're just hunting your piece of property, you would never get to experience. And yeah. it's it, it comes with a risk, I'm going to be honest, right? And I hope every listener realizes that there is a, a risk with that. But candidly, isn't hunting in general a risk? Because it's not called killing, yeah, it's that's called hunting. hunting. That's hunting. Yeah. And, and that's fair chase hunting. And, if, and, if, and again, if you enjoy archery, I don't care if you're a crossbow hunter, a bow hunter, a traditional compound bow. Um, it's, it's a challenge, right? You're talking about a deer that you need between 20 and really 50 yards, which is magical in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I'm, the, the outfitted I'll, hunts are, um, you said you've been on how many? 40? I bet you, you know, I, um, since again, I'm 36 now, I've really started doing, getting hard to do when I was 23, 24. Yeah, okay. Um, I bet you I've been on well over probably closer to 50. Wow. Um, and again, I have nine bucks mounted on my uh, in my trophy room that are over 125, and that's it. I mean, and, and that's a lot of hunts, that's a lot of money that I've won. But again, that's hunting. Yeah. I don't care. And candidly, I don't judge a hunt. And anybody who's getting into hunting, I, I hope they listen to this. Don't judge a hunt on if you kill an animal or not. Judge a hunt on the experience. Did did, did you have a good drive down there? Did right. you have a good camp life? Did you have good camaraderie in camp? Did you have good conversations? Was it was the stand you were sitting in a good stand? Did it have good wind? Well, you know, do, do you believe you had a chance? Because so much goes into it, just seeing an animal. Yeah. Too many times people get wrapped on what they see on TV, and they think it's easier than it really is. Appreciate what you're doing. That's what will decide for me if it was a successful hunt or not, not me killing an animal. No, I get what you're saying for sure, and that's what everybody should, how everybody should look at it, at least, you know, for the experience. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the working man bow hunter, I mean, not everybody can go on outfitted hunts. Um, no, you're right. I've not, it's I've, a big decision. Yeah, I've been on my, one in my entire life uh, last last December, actually, with a – an older gentleman friend of mine who uh, doesn't, you know, get around as, as well as, as I do. But normally we're out, you know, pounding the, the public or the Ohio Hills or the private up here in Michigan. Um, and it's challenging. But it's nice to see that you're doing some of this on your own land and land that you have permission on. And then again, you know, you're, you're budgeting and putting your, your, uh, your time and, and money and, and out of state. I mean, not all of us have time to go scout everywhere out of state. Or you want to go to to uh, Illinois this year. Well, how many times can you drive down there throughout the summer and hang cameras and check them and this and that? Um, it, sometimes it's smart to rely on an outfitter. So there's definitely a need for them. And it sounds like you've uh, you've used it and, yeah. and been yeah, but and had good times. And you have to be careful. Um, matter of fact, there's a, a buddy who I met through um, reached out to us, asking some, our brand, asking some questions, and he got burnt going down to Tennessee on a turkey hunt with an outfit, and he got down there, and he's a total fraud. So, you know, as there's pros and cons, and you, and you really one of the um, we're writing right now an article about what are the questions you should ask an outfitter, right? Because again, there, there's some questions that you, you can ask that will help decide if this is an outfitter you can trust. Yeah. And uh, it, you have to be careful because the life of workman bow hunter is it's not like we have this this big giant pot of money you can just say I'm going to go hunt as much as I want. No, right. it's, it's 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 a big decision for the family yeah, to go on these hunts. Yeah. Yeah. Well and there's also those organizations like WTA um, who will kind of vet some of these outfitters out for you. Yes. So if you're like me and have no clue even where to start on this stuff, you can at least trust in a organization like WTA. I think they're hooked up with Cabela's, so you know what I mean? They're yep. they're reputable, and then you don't pay any extra. I think the outfitter has to pay them. So, you know, it's a win-win for, for the regular guy who's going on a hunt. So that's something to think about. Yeah, and, and again, you know, if I look at uh, our team, um, for the most part, uh, we're all doing our own private land. If I look this year, a lot of our hunts are going to be with Drew and Jimmy. You know, Drew's from Howell. Jimmy's from Blissfield. They, they both have property, um, and, and they're not large amounts of property. They're, you know, they're 20 acres, but it's it's an opportunity for us to go and fellowship and bond and get in the woods together. Yep. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty magical. So, you know, this year um, we all went on a, a bear hunt in New Brunswick. It's kind of our annual tradition we do every year. 
in New Brunswick, and it was a great time. Um, we're going to look to do a lot of hunting. I'm going to uh, – the first, the last uh, weekend of September is the Ohio bow pinner. Um, we're going to go down there for a bow hunt, and then we'll be hunting majority of Michigan, all four of us, all year long, with the exception of uh, uh, myself and uh, Jimmy's going to film me. We're going to go down to Texas, and we're going to do a, a bow hunt down there with Effie Hill. And uh, so we're hoping uh, hoping to get it done. But, again, all ours is, you know, small pieces of property um, that are privately by us, managed by us. And, uh, you know, it's not like we got these 140, 150-inch whitetails running around and we're blessed to potentially see a, a nice buck. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, you guys sound like you got a lot of exciting hunts planned. And uh, that's something else we need to get back into, we'll switch gears here and, Let's talk a little more about how you guys balance all that with working full-time jobs and having families. Jared and I are both fathers. We've got kids, and we know what it's like. But tell us what it looks like for the working man bow hunter crew. How do you guys juggle all this, taking care of properties, booking out, out-of-state hunts, and just walk us through what that's like? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that. And, you know, our motto is kind of the struggle is real. Um, and we really do believe that because – we, we live it. And uh, Wes and I both have kids. Um, I have one um, son. Wes has uh, two boys, and they're expecting the third in November. And uh, um, I will say this, uh, Jimmy and Drew just treat um, B-Man like, like he's their own, and uh, that's what makes them unique. But the things that you have to do, and uh, it's this may sound easy, but it's not, is you, you have to be transparent with your buddies but with your family. And uh, if, if you just come home Friday after work and say, hey, I'm going to go hunt this weekend, it's probably not going to go over well. But if, if you look at a calendar with your, your buddies and say, okay, here are the peak days that hunting is the best, and, and, you, and you're up front and you're open with the family and you say, you know, to your wife or girlfriend or husband or boyfriend, what it may be, that I'm going to go hunt on November 15th, 16th, 17th. And they know that a month ahead of time, and you have that on a calendar, and so you can um, make time for them to do other things or family things. It goes a long way, right? And, or totally again, true. so what? We, yeah. So what we like to do as a team, we have a um, there's four of us. We have a, a team text um, page, and we're always talking and communicating. Hey, can you guys do this um, on Tuesday? Right? Uh, we were just we had a conversation last week with uh, Quest Hunt, and uh, hey, who can come? Yep, we can come. I can. I have this. Got it. Okay, we have this team event this Saturday. Who can come? I got it. Who can come? Then we try to look at a calendar, and we're always communicating to our loved ones. And, and, and if you don't do that, so be it. But the one thing is you can't have it all, and there's some events or there's some hunting dates you're going to miss. And it's, it's that balance. So, sure. you know, yeah. it, there's one thing that is cool, guys, and it is – also, don't be afraid to introduce your loved ones to the outdoors. You know, my, my, my wife does not like to hunt, um, does not like the outdoors, but, you know, she went down to Texas with me last year for a deer hunt, and, uh, you know, she had a great time. I got my son involved in hunting, and uh, so that's, that's another technique you can do. Don't force them, but ask them, and would you like to go sit with me in a tree stand? You can bring your iPod. You can bring your iPad, you can bring your cell phone. Do you want to come sit with me? And you never know. It can go a long way, right? Yeah, especially in this day and age with uh, hunter numbers dropping. That, that's a great point to bring up to expose as many people as you can. I'm in the same boat. My wife's not a hunter. Uh, she's super supportive of my hobbies. My daughters have both hunted with me uh, as they're getting older. They're getting busy with school and everything, so they don't have as much time right now. But I'm sure they'll come back to it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's interesting you bring up about the planning and the communications. The communication is huge because it it is funny how when you put together an out-of-state trip with some buddies, how everything has to just work out the right way. And, it, you know, especially when you're talking about putting in for party tags, everybody's working different jobs and different schedules. Everybody's family schedule is different. So that that's something to think about. That's one thing we haven't really touched on on the podcast, and it, it's good to bring that up. Now, yeah, there, there's Bush, there's four of us on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, no, I was just going to try to get something in there real quick. Do you use 
a family calendar where you write something on it far ahead of time. I know I, the reason I say that, my wife has one in the kitchen. I don't use it as much as I probably should, but when it comes to a hunting trip or a weekend like this, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's on the, it's on the calendar two months ahead of time. And, um, oh, yeah. And that really, really helps when – you know, the weekend's coming up, all of a sudden it's like, what do you mean you're going hunting? Like, that you can have that communication ahead of time, keep talking about it as it's approaching. You know, what do you need from me this weekend, hunt? I'm going next weekend, what, you know, what can I do or whatever it may be. So I'm just curious if you guys have, like, a family calendar or how do, how do you keep all the dates straight with your family? So, yeah, we right in the kitchen, um, you know, like right now I, in the kitchen, the cupboard, there's a calendar. And I know that October 5th is a Friday. I'm going to go hunt with Jimmy. At his place with my with B Man, my my boy. I know on October 26th I'm gonna go hunt with Wes, and um in Montrose, Michigan. I know that November 6th that I'm going to Texas. They're already on the family calendar. My wife knows, and then she can plan. My my parents know. Everybody knows, including the rest of the team, what's going on. And these dates have been locked in for months now. And, and don't wait till last minute. And then also don't just assume that you can go hunting every weekend. So, yeah, we definitely use the family calendar. We already, you know, and again, um, we already have a bear hunt booked for next year. And we all talk to our families. And I'm going to throw one more thing out there that is a cool technique. Yeah, keep going, um, man. We, these are the things we need to talk about. So, Is what we try to do is we try to get together but but bring our families together and get our families to meet each other and to hang out because if you're going to go and spend a weekend with your buddy hunting, you know, it, why not have the wives or the husbands get to know each other and so they can have an appreciation of who you're spending all this time with. And it's something that's worked out really well for our team is, uh, you know, last year we had a, we had a, we had a big picnic where a picnic or actually a barbecue where we all came together, all the wives came, the kids came, and we, we were able to spend all day together. And so now all the wives know each other, the girlfriends know each other, and they're like, okay, yeah, you're going with Jimmy. Yep, yeah, Jimmy's a good guy. And, oh, wow, how's his wife doing? And, and, and sometimes I think that, that has really helped our team um, to grow and to, to grow that trust because our families are starting to know each other. And I think that's helped a lot of people miss out on that opportunity. That's a, that's another great tip. Uh, I like that. Uh, well, let's keep keep this rolling. What other tips do you guys have for the you know average guy out there that to help them you know be able to get time to, to shoot their bows or, or time to hang trail cams? What else are you guys doing that we can all relate to? We, and those who have families, uh, we we try to include our family as much as possible. Yep. Um, we try to reach out and you know I look at our team. Um, you know, Wes right now, his wife's pregnant. She's due in November. What can we do to get him involved with his other kids? You know, and, you know, too many times people get hung up on, oh, we don't want kids around, rather than saying that's an opportunity to get the youth involved. Yep. And, and, and I, we looked at it as an opportunity to go, well, we get to shoot our bows. Okay, our boys are right there, but we get to shoot our bows right now. And, yeah, it'd be great to always do everything with just your buddies, but that's not what the life of a working man bow hunter. That's not, that's not a life of a good family man. So we like to bring the kids along every opportunity we can, rather than saying, hey, honey, can I go away and you have the kids? We like to bring them along because the, the, there's that many more opportunities you can do things. Um, we, we look to, again, why not ask? Don't just assume your husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend doesn't want to hunt or doesn't want to go sit and watch you shoot your bow, just ask. And what's the worst thing they can say is, no, I'm going to stay home and do this. Because in my case, um, in Wes's case, and even Jimmy's case, um, you know, his girlfriend's from Florida. She doesn't like to hunt, but she does things with them because he says, hey, do you want to go with me turkey hunting? Yeah, why not? Well, hey, look at it. Now it's a win-win. They get to spend time together. So don't don't just assume your loved one or your, your 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 wife or husband doesn't want to to go do it with you. Ask, and it go, and it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. And even if you do, um, you know, get the chance to introduce your kids to just something like I brought one of my daughters off this past weekend, and and she's like, Dad, can I bring the BB gun? It's like, of course you can, honey. Like, 
we're going to ride around on the four-wheeler and do some work, and then we're going to shoot the BB gun, and then ride around and do some more work, and then shoot the BB gun, and, you know, make it make it fun, keep it um, short and sweet for them if you can, just keep them interested so next time when you ask them to go, they don't say no, I'd rather stay home. You know, like you said, trying to introduce them, and if you do get them to go, you know, make sure it's a great time. Like, I let my daughter pick out whatever snack she wants at the gas station on the way there. I don't care if it's sugar, whatever. It's like, you're coming with me, <laughs> you're going to have a great time, whatever you That's want. so cool. And then we get home, and Katie's like, you get Ava gummy worms and a sucker? I'm like, hey, she came with me to the property. It's whatever she wants to do. So it's that's very it's very cool. It's probably not the greatest thing health wise to do, but she had a great time, and that's what's important. Yeah, it's called. We like to look at this way. It's called making a memory, making yep. a moment. And again, stop. People need to stop focusing on you know. And what social media has done to hunting is you know you can go kill a 150 inch deer and like oh that's all it was 150 inch deer and it's like oh my god Gosh. what yeah it, rather or did you how big was the buck and i hate when people say or how big was the bear you shot rather than saying hey how was the experience did yeah. you make a moment did you make a memory and just because you go up there and spend a week and i went to kentucky last year okay and i went there for the season opener of the velvet hunt and i, I didn't have a deer uh, uh, one buck that was close to 100 yards I had a time of, I had a, um, a hunt of a lifetime, and not one buck was within a hundred yards of me. Nice, but a hunt of a lifetime. Why? Because I enjoyed the nature. I enjoyed watching the deer. I enjoyed the camaraderie with the the guys in camp. I enjoyed then shooting bucks. And it's just people like you said taking your taking your daughter to buy that candy. You, if you remember that, you made a moment, right? You you made a memory. I think that is to me that's that's what I like. Those are the stories that I like to hear. And that's what we're about. It's it's make that moment impact somebody. Yeah, you got to keep it fun, especially yeah. for, for the for the younger kids and 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 even adults if they're beginners. You got to you got to keep it fun for them. And, and that's not to say that um, what what those guys in the what I like to call the Golden Triangle, Iowa, uh, Illinois, Missouri, what they're doing that's their normal there. You know, it, it's normal for them to pass up. 130s and 140s and shoot 150s, and nobody begrudges them that because that's their normal. But that, that's an important thing to remember: what our normal is in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Not saying we can't kill 150 inch deer here, but it's not going to be in the same frequency and the same uh, methods and, and, and the, the tactics that they use out there, and, and the mentality is just different. But I, I think that's very, very important what you said about just making it fun. Now, I'm going to switch gears on you here a little bit. What does the average season look like? Like, let's say you're not hunting out of state. You're in Michigan. What does the average week look like for the working man bow hunter? Are you work? Are you hunting a couple hours before work, a couple hours after work? Or are you just going out on the weekends? What's that looking like for you guys? Um, I think it's for different for each one of us. Uh, typically, if I look at myself, you know, there's been a few years where I, I didn't get a chance to hunt a whole lot, you know, and if it's due to work or family obligations, you know, and it may be you're only hunting a, a two or three weekends a year. But, again, that's, again, you have to juggle it all. You know, if I look at Jimmy, you know, due to, uh, you know, his work schedule, he's a, he's an electrician. He's going to have an opportunity to hunt a little bit more because he essentially lives right by his hunting land where I'm having to personally drive. So for us this year, it's, I think it's going to vary, uh, team member by team member. We're going to make the most of it. Um, I'm going to try to to hunt. Uh, you know, it's really for the weekends. I think mostly for majority of us, which is probably majority of the the, the, the average hunters is on the weekends, right? Right. Okay. And you guys, where do you normally start out hunting? So. Like, where did you kill that nice buck off of last year? What time of year was that at, and um, what type of habitat were you hunting over? A food plot or some timber, um, some yeah. successional growth? Where were you hunting for that one? That, that was over a food plot. It was over a clover, um, a clover field. And we will, you know, early season, I'm a personally, um, and this is just me. I can't speak for the rest of our team, but I love early season hunting over bean fields. I've had so much luck from that, uh, again, from Michigan, that October 1st to October 15th hunting um, evening hunts 
you know, especially early season, um, there's more more damage is done by hunting in the morning. Again, this is my opinion, and if you're if you're the worst man bowling or you can't necessarily always hunt evenings, you have to hunt whenever you can. Um, but evening hunts, and statistically speaking, that's when the most Hope and Young and bigger bucks are killed are in the evening. But evening hunts over that bean field, and then right around the 15th or 16th, we'll look for that green growth if it's um, if it's clover plots, if it's you know a cut cornfield, if it's shifting into the the the, the um, by the acorns, which are can be really really um, prominent in, in Michigan, Ohio, Illinois. We'll start shifting towards that next food source. And then when the rut comes, it's really where the does are going to be, you know. And it, we like to look for funnels. We think those um, offer the best um, luck with those bucks chasing those does. And then again, also in the late November, we're shifting again to where's that next food source. Those bucks want that that they've they've rutted hard. They haven't ate. They've been focusing on breeding and not eating. They want that next batch of food. And where is that food? If you have it you're going to have a deer on your property. It's simple as that. So we try to shift to what the deer wants and what we can offer them. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, what do you guys have coming up regarding your your video series? I know I've filmed my hunts for years. Uh, it looks like you guys do the same thing. I saw it on your, your Instagram. Tell us about your season coming up and uh, – where we can expect to watch you guys. Yeah, so the, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, we, we will be um, filming. Everything we'll be doing will be uh, aired on Twisted Times TV, um, the YouTube channel, Twisted Times TV. They're, they're doing a majority of our editing. Um, and one of the things that we're going to try to do this season is going to showcase that balance, that struggle of – you know, Jimmy's electrician, you know, um, Wes and I work as managers for Chrysler. Um, you know, um, Drew is a college student who's in his last year of being a mechanical engineer. We're all trying to balance that. And we're going to try to show those struggles. We're going to try to um, not only be able to relate to the everyday, we're hardworking man and woman of this country, but we're going to try to represent them and showcase some of the things that you're talking about, the opinions of how to juggle this, how to plan a hunt, how to talk to your buddies and communicate. We're going to try to show some of that. Um, so we're going to look to probably release five or six videos specifically this year for the deer hunt. We're going to try to release them within a few weeks. So if it, you look at the first week in um, October, we're going to try to release it within a couple of weeks so people can relate to it, watch them, and I hope candidly help them. And, and, and that's what yeah. we want to do. We, Oh, sorry, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> no, we're all, no, we're all about helping people. That's, that's why we do yeah. what we do on this show. So, Yeah, and, and, and first off, again, I can't say enough. You know, your, your, podcast, your podcasts are very educational, but they're fun. I think they're genuine, and a big word in our team is being genuine, and yeah. I think you guys, you, guys yeah. are very, you guys are very genuine guys. Um, and uh, it's, it's the, the stuff you guys talk about is relevant and it's real. It's not fake. And, and, and then that's why we were looking forward to this conversation because what our shows or our, our videos will be just that. They'll be what you guys are representing, that real relevant information to the everyday hunter who doesn't know it all, who doesn't have this infinite amount, amount of money to go book a hunt every single weekend or go buy every piece of the hunting equipment that they want, not rather than what they need. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what we're about and kind of what our shows are going to be based about. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about being real, you're talking about starting a brand called Working Man Bowhunter. Butch, you are the brand. You're talking about a guy from Detroit, uh, Motor City, working for Chrysler. I mean, it doesn't get any more working man than that. And uh, we're looking forward to following along and seeing what you guys come up with. How do we find you online? Where do we go? Yeah, so our, our website's just about finished, and it'll be uh, WorkingManBowHunterUSA.com. Um, that, that's just about done. But, uh, you know, our Instagram page is WorkingManBowHunter. Um, our, our, our Twitter page is WorkingManBowHunter. Um, or you'll see uh, uh, follow Twisted Times TV. Um, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of cool social media stuff for us. And uh, 
those, those are our main uh, sources of uh, um, from social media. Our um, YouTube page is uh, Twisted Times TV again, and then Working Man Bowhunter. And there's most of the stuff will be under Twisted Times TV this year. Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, let's take one more question for you. I asked this to a lot of our our guests. Might be kind of random sounding, but I promise you, we get a good response a lot of the time on this. What is your favorite tree? Now, this is one you could plant. This is one you could hunt out of. This might just be a tree you like. Tell us about your favorite tree. I, I'm going to go with uh, the uh, the probably an oak tree because an oak tree not only uh, produces the acorns um, that that are great for the deer love them, or really all animals love them, but it also it's a very hardy tree that you can put a, uh, if it's a platform, if it's a tripod, if it's a tree stand, a hanging or maybe I think it it offers everything a, a hunter would want um, or, and or need, and it gives back to the land. You know, the, the leaves become fertilizer, the acorns become food. You know, it's, it's a hardy, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good hardy tree, and uh, I would encourage people to plant more of them. Um, and uh, it's you won't go, you won't be disappointed. I promise you that. Oh, that's awesome, man. I like that. I love oaks as well. Um, matter of fact, I hope I don't screw this up, but I, I'm, I think I was watching Growing Deer TV or something the other day, and Grant Woods was talking about a little bit of a difference between the white oak acorns and red oak acorns. And yep, I wish Al was on here. He'd, he'd make sure I had this right. I think the red oak acorns are might be a little bit more acidic, so they last longer on the ground. So, like, you know, when God made these trees, he made the the white elk as number one for the for the deer. And But once that's gone, the red elk acorns are still there because they're able to hold together and not mold and mildew and, and fall apart as quickly. So it's kind of the interesting succession of throughout the season, white oaks are cleaned up first, then the, then the red oaks are next. But they're not all rotten, you know. They they're able to yep. hold themselves together on the ground uh, until they're they're needed. I hope I didn't get that wrong, but I think it was something along no, those lines. That in my understanding, and uh, again, I'm I'm probably not the expert in this area, but all my research that I, I've done, I think you're spot on. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna make sure I I get that right. But no, I I love oak trees. I'm glad uh, you picked that. We get lots of different responses on. My favorite trees, and it's always just an interesting question. But, uh, Butch, I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. You know, uh, we love following you on Instagram, and, and uh, we'll tag along this, this year. And I uh, wish you good luck, my friend. Yeah, thank you guys for having us, and I, I look forward to uh, keeping in touch. And uh, be honest, I look forward to the uh, the podcast that you, uh, you have coming up, uh, not only in the upcoming months, but throughout the deer season. Um, we are, I don't care how much you hunt, you can always learn something. And, uh, we really enjoy, again, you're over, I think you said this is like your 50th or 51st. That, that, that's really cool. And I hope uh, people uh, continue to listen to these and realize that, uh, you guys are, uh, are very genuine guys who just like talking about, uh, habitat management, hunting and promoting, I don't want to say a dying trait or a dying industry, but it's one that's uh, definitely uh, not as um, sought after as it once was. So um, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, it's been a, it's been an enjoyable conversation. Awesome, yeah, thanks, Butch. Yeah, they, thank you so much again, and uh, you know, you get a deer down this fall. Let's let's have a game plan episode. We look forward to getting some more um, game plan episodes going, so we know when. Uh, when those are rolling out, the deer are dropping and it's hunting season. So we're coming up fast, man. Absolutely, gentlemen. Yep. Another good podcast, guys. I want to thank you, Bush, for coming on the line and uh, telling us about your, your brand and, and all your guys and the cool stuff you have going on. So look forward to working with you more this fall, and uh, you know, good luck this season. Now, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our other podcasts, please be sure to go on our iTunes on the podcast app and leave us a good review. If you type us a text review and uh, let me know you did one, I will send you a free 5-inch Habitat Podcast decal, guys. I'm shipping them out. Just let me know, and I'll look for the review. Uh, next, the rest of our episodes can be found at HabitatPodcast.com. 
We are also doing a lot on Facebook and Instagram these days. I put another tip up there today on a no-till food plot on Instagram. So be sure to check that out and uh, leave, your, leave us your feedback. Tell us what you've been up to. Shoot us some pictures. We're also getting some listener pictures sent in. I love seeing that stuff. So I'll get out there, guys, and thank you once again for tuning in to the podcast. I thank our sponsors, Killer Food Plots, Packer Max Galta Packers, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, 5-2 Outdoors, Dip That Hydrographics, and the Habitat Hook. Thank you all for supporting the podcast. And, guys, episode 52 coming up is another great one. You guys are going to love it. So be sure to tune in next week as we become better habitat managers. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.